Welcome to Faith City Outreach, where your host, Marina Maria, reaches out to the world to discuss Christian topics and providing biblical solutions, as well as praying for the nations. Deuteronomy 31 verse 6 says, Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. The music in this broadcast is provided courtesy of Zapsplat.com. Now, here's your host, Marina Maria. I declare the scripture, Zechariah 2.5, over Faith City Outreach, where the Lord says, And I myself will be a wall of fire around it, declares the Lord, and I will be its glory within. Welcome to Faith City Outreach. This is Marina Maria with today's special guest, Catherine Ligard from Safari Mission, a nonprofit mission organization based in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Thank you so much, Catherine, for being on Faith City Outreach to share how God is using Safari Mission to train and to educate the African people to become leaders who will transform Africa for God. Thank you so much for having me on today. I appreciate that. Catherine, when did the Lord call you and your husband to serve in this mission organization, Safari Mission? Well, you know, it really started when God just put in our heart when we were both young kids that we just had a desire for Africa. And and I can't explain it other than God must have put that in because we didn't know that was a calling per se. We just were drawn to Africa in our hearts. And, you know, whenever Africa would be on the news, I would be like glued to it and looking at it and just like, I would go. I want to go there. I want to go there. And my husband had a similar experience, you know, where he was just drawn to it. And so I think that's when he really, really started. We didn't know exactly how it was going to look like. We didn't know what we were going to do. And, you know, you have your own plans, but really that's where the seed was planted when we were just really young and we just had a desire for Africa, really. Was this calling a surprise to you and your husband when you really were clear and said, we are going to have a nonprofit called Safari Mission? Um, it's a good question because although we had we both talked about this before we got married, that we were both drawn to Africa, we wanted to do something in Africa, we still didn't know like what and when we were going to do. And so my husband had an opportunity to go and visit a friend of him uh, in Africa you know, a couple of times started to just travel there doing a few seminars. And then as he was coming back on one of those trips, he comes home and he's like, you know, I feel like we're supposed to do something in Africa and start a work there right now. And like, you know, pretty soon. And I was a little surprised because I was like, is it really time? (laughs) I'm not sure. But, you know, (laughs) uh, kind of a surprise, although we knew it had been there all along. We knew the time would come at some point. Um, But, you know, you don't always know the timing or how it's going to look like. But, you know, that was just, he really felt the Lord leading him to start, you know, a, a school for for pastors and leaders over there because they needed more education than just a seminar that he was going to, you know, he was helping them a little bit, but not as much as he needed to help them. They needed a lot more than he was doing. So um, I was a little bit surprised of the timing because we just had a baby when we moved over there and it was definitely not what I was planning in my head. But at some point you just have to take the step and and do it because, you know, if you wait until the kids are grown and then you have other things, then you have grandkids and then you have two old. And so 
some point you got to just step out and, and answer the call. So, um, but you know, I knew, I knew we were supposed to do it. So in a way uh, you just have to sometimes take that step of faith. So I know Safari Mission is based in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Yes, that's correct. So do you have two homes? You have one in Africa and also one in here? Yeah, so Tulsa, Oklahoma. (laughs) Yeah, so uh, you know our our Tulsa based um, place here is where we mostly work on uh, you know fundraising and partnership. You know when we communicate with partners, and also you know um, getting teachers to come over and teach and all those things. But when it comes to actually the work that is happening on the ground, a lot of that is actually administered from. Africa. We have a headquarter in Nairobi, and then we have another campus in Mombasa. This is in Kenya. And so a lot of the work is actually done over there from there. So we have, as a family, we've gone to live, sometimes we've lived here stateside and travel back and forth. Sometimes we've lived over there. Uh, So it has kind of been a little year by year, you know, with kids in school, there's different, you know, needs for uh, for that. So um, there are times we've had a home over there and, and right now we had to let that go for for a couple of years because of some we ran into some visa issues and some challenges with that that we're going back and forth short term so so to answer that was a complex uh, answer to a simple question but (laughs) sometimes we've had a home here and there sometimes because we we've just been renting over there but we do have a base there with offices and things like that that is you know um permanently there so so, yeah, but as a family, we kind of had to see all the needs we've had and see how things, you know, when you work with different governments, you have so many issues you need to consider with visa issues and, and all kinds of things. And so you just got to be smart and, and be at the at the right time, <laughs> at the right place at the right time sometimes. So we definitely have office, you know, what we call office here and there. And then as far as the home for us personally, um, sometimes we have one over there and sometimes we've just had one here so so please share what your experience has been like since uh you have lived there before wow as far as living there you mean yes it's definitely very different um and you know it's different to go there when you don't have kids because you adapt differently as an adult you know you're used to you don't you see the world in different with different eyes and different views when you're an adult. So when you, when you don't have children or the children were so young as being a baby, you didn't have to consider schools mm-hmm. and education for them and all those things. But then when they got older and we lived over there, we definitely had to consider school, schooling and things like that. So it was a different challenge when we brought the whole family over when they were older, when the kids were older and you just had to, um, get around and get to know the culture in different ways. And also, you know, when you have kids, you end up kind of being in this um, very that group where a lot of your friends ends up being other Americans or Europeans. And you don't get to mingle as much with the natives. But when you go, when we went, when we just had a baby, we definitely mingle more with the locals and spend a lot more times with the locals to, to get to learn the culture. And, and you know, it was definitely eye-opening to see the culture how it is but but what's important with that is just seeing what they're thinking is you know behind the actions because you can see a culture and you're questioning like 
Why are they doing this? This is awkward to me. This is weird to me. This goes against what I believe in sometimes. Uh, but you have to sit down with the locals and really ask all the questions like, why did you do this? And, and where does this come from? And then you get to understand the reasoning behind it. And you're realizing that, okay, well, I understand their heart now. I understand where they're coming from. And so sometimes you just accept that they have different ways of expressing things or doing things than yourself. And you really just see that, you know, there's just so many cultures in this world and, and we do things differently and, and it's not all wrong, you know, it's just different a lot of times. And so, uh, but it definitely, when you have a whole family there, it comes with a little extra challenging because they don't, necessarily want to know a different culture (laughs) (laughs) that's true now what would what would you say or what would you like to share that is something that was really so different that you had to really take a long time to get used to okay so I have a really good example because (laughs) this took me years to really realize you know the backstory but you know they they still practice dowry over there that means that when a, a man and a woman get married, the man has to pay dowry to her family as like, you know, paying money or livestock as a price to be able to marry the bride. And, you know, we've read about that in the Bible and we maybe knew that that happened back in many, many years ago in other, in some countries. But, you know, you, you think that's just old-fashioned or like this is that's really old way of doing things and so for the longest time I would kind of like almost what can you say almost despise it or really really question like why would you have to pay for for a woman that's just degrading you know you feel like that's just not a good thing as a woman but then as we sat down with this pastor that we had developed a really close relationship over many years and we know his heart his heart is in the right place his heart is for god and we sat down with him and his wife and asked questions about this thing it was actually another friend of mine who came with me on a trip who started asking all these questions and as we were just sitting there talking they were telling us that the women actually want to keep that tradition because that makes them feel more valuable because the price that is set is higher if the woman has been educated. So according to how many years in school you've been, your price goes up. <laughs> and, and, you know, we just, it blew my mind to see that the women actually appreciate it because they see it as appreciation. They feel like they're valuable. They're valued in the eyes of, of the man and in society. And they, do, they don't want to get rid of it. They don't see it the same way as we see it. And, um, and you realize that this, this dowry payment is not, it's usually so high that the man could never pay it in one lump sum, you know, like if, because if you're really rich, the price you have to pay goes up as well. So it's designed to where you have a constant relationship with your in-laws and you have to kind of pay them over time throughout your life. And it's like, you have this covenant relationship where, you know, mine is yours kind of thing. And, and, and it's supposed to, you know, be a good thing and not a negative thing, but that completely blew my Western mind. I, I, I did not expect that but I real I realized that it's not necessarily a bad thing even though in our society we would definitely label it as 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 a, a really bad thing. <laughs> now would that go through years, many years, or is that just uh, for a certain set of time? You mean the the down or the payment? Yes. No. Usually it it lasts 
lasts almost as long as the in-laws are alive. <laughs> wow. It, it's usually designed to go, you know, at least 20 years probably. And, and wow. some, some pay it down earlier, but mm-hmm. it's not, you know, it's not unheard of that it takes 20 plus years to pay it down. Well, that is very interesting. I didn't know that. Thank you for sharing that. Catherine, what is the mission for Safari Mission? So we train leaders and transform people in East Africa. And so by, you know, by doing that, by focusing on leadership training, we see a trickle-down effect. So you train the leaders, you change their mindset, you change the way they do things. They go back to their communities, you know, and they will implement things and they will teach the people that, you know, report to them or, you know, if they're pastors that goes to their churches, the pastor is highly respected in the community, he's a community leader. You know, they go back and they teach their people what we've taught them and they're helping people transform the way they think, you know, so they can get out of poverty, so they can have a good family life, so they can do, you know, change the situation they're in and do something productive with their own life. And so that's really the core of what we what we believe. We we really want to. We are working to reverse the dependency syndrome that is plaguing <laughs> Africa, and and that really is true. You know, you come there and you realize that people have become dependent upon foreign help, and they're not able to to take care of themselves. They're not able to fix their own problems. They're always just looking for outside help. Come help us. Come help us. We need more help. We need more help. But we come in there and say, you are able to change your own society, but you just need to be empowered with the knowledge that it takes to, 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 you know, just rise up, rise up and, and just, Take responsibility for your life, for, for your family's life, for whoever it might be. And so that's really at the core of, of our mission is to really transform people's thinking so they can transform their own society. Now, I also learned that you train leaders from rural areas and cities, right? Mm-hmm. That's correct. Yeah, we, when we started, we actually started in the rural areas because we saw that there was a little bit of you know, training happening in the big cities, you know, as far as the pastors, there were a few Bible schools around as far as any other training, there, there are some options in the bigger cities. And but we just saw the people in the village, they could not afford to go to the city to get educated because the, the income level is so different from, from the village to the, the big city. It, I mean, they can't even imagine just taking a trip there is expensive for them. So living there, going, paying the high tuition, that was not going to happen. So we saw that, you know, these people need help. They have no one. The people in the city at least have someone. <laughs> but, <laughs> Out there in the rural areas, they have no one. And so our heart just reached out to them and say, hey, we're going to take our program to them and we're going to go set up school in one village after another. And we're going to train them for, you know, intensive training for two to three weeks. Then we would go to the next village and do the same. And we would come back four times to complete like a full school year. And so, you know, that's how we started. And then as we were growing, we realized that what the concept we had to offer didn't really exist in the cities either. People would learn about the Bible, but they were not really incorporated into leadership training, taking responsibility for your life, becoming producers in society and all those things. That one's not being taught anywhere. So we decided to also, you know, I think really the the Lord also put it on our heart to go to the bigger cities and also put 
out of school there. So, so we've kept the rural areas and we are in the cities, which a lot of, if you see a lot of organizations, a lot of them are either only rural or they're only in the city. Not many go to both places at the same time. That is so true. And I was going to ask you, where do you get your leaders that help you train the people? Yeah, so we get a lot of other ministers from, or ministers and business people from the states that go over there and they help us train. But as the school has been running for now 14 years, um, we have trained up our own locals that also teach and they help teach others. And so we see that, you know, Right now, we have about 40 teachers that are all locals. And That's they, really smart. Yeah. And so right. they really help train their own people as well. As, and, and, you know, when you ask the students that we have, they say there's no difference in the quality of teaching from the local or the international instructors. And so we think that's a great thing that, you know, we can empower the locals to really do the work over there. Yes, and then um, they will also empower the ones they teach, and it so it becomes a cycle of leaders that just it keeps does. going on. It does, right? and it's exciting. And the thing about when you have local lead, local teachers is that when the locals see this teacher is actually living what they're teaching, that means I can live it too. Because you know, when you have an international coming in, you can you can have the excuse of yeah, that works in America. Right. You know, that works because you know, you're from the Western world, you're from Europe, wherever you might be from, but that doesn't work here. But when they see local people living it and seeing that their lives have changed, it becomes so much more powerful because okay. they have a local example like if they can do it, then I can do it. Not just that, but you know, when, you, when you're teaching family, the culture is so different that when you get a local to teach it, he knows how to deal with the local issues that are there better than people from here who have a different mindset. You know, we were just talking about the dowry situation, mm-hmm. you know, they know all the problems and what, what needs to be fixed better than we do. And so, so we've just seen a tremendous uh, effect from having local teachers that have been empowered over there. Now, you said you've been in operation for 14 years? That's correct. We started in 2006. Wow. So since then, what has drastically changed that you can notice? Wow. Um, I mean... I can talk about so many different things. I can talk about society itself has changed just because wow. there's more development happening. There's there's uh, stores opening up over there, which is exciting for me when I live there. From your <laughs> like leaders, from your school, but from the leaders that attended your trainings? Some of them, yeah. Some of them also are from there, especially we've seen that, you know, local communities, uh, the pastor have trained uh, their people and and talk them talk them what we teach them about entrepreneurship about financial stewardship and we see that several of these are starting businesses you know and not just one but three and four businesses and, and you know they're local businesses but it starts the economy going in this tiny little poor community and and you know you don't have to come in and feed them anymore when they can produce for themselves mm-hmm. and and get the economy going themselves and you know not just that but we've also seen people who were unemployed become employable you know one of the pastors over there are talking about you know i started teaching what you taught me and i've and I, and my my people this was a pastor they became employable because a lot of uh, 
the problem with unemployed people or poor people is that they don't have the skill that it takes to get or keep a job. You know, you'll you see people over there, they'll, they're sleeping on their job. They show up three, four hours late. They won't come in that day. And you know, you get fired because you can't have an employee who doesn't work. So, but after being taught work ethics, we are very strong about work ethics because we believe if you're going to change as a society, you need work ethics because you can throw money at the problem. But if you don't have work ethics, it will not change anyone. And so we are strong about teaching work ethics, leadership ethics, just ethics in general. Like (laughs) you have to be like this and this and this, you know, this is the biblical foundation. You need to, you know, follow what the Bible talks about when it comes to ethics and, and keeping your word, keeping time, keeping all those things. And, and we've just seen a transformation in the society. And, and this pastor, you know, um, his, his, his congregation has just changed. You know, they become leaders in their society. They've even started a Christian elementary school. They started a chicken farm. And he has seminars on, on Saturdays for women to empower women to do business. You know, wow, and a man doing that? Exactly. A man wow. in that culture doing in that. In that culture amazing. doing that? Yes. Boy, <laughs> would I love to see that you know, see him teaching and the women just responding to that. Yeah. And you know, we, if you want to go to our website, safarimish.org, there is a testimony and he is part of the testimony. His name is Justice Koloki and you will see him there and, you know, just go there and and watch the video. You may not see the women, but you'll at least talk about see him talk a little bit about it. And it's just amazing to see, you know, that's how you empower people. You teach (laughs) them and they go and do and produce something in society. And it's just amazing to see the ripple effect has had. And, you know, we've just hear so many stories. Another pastor that we trained, you know, when he came to us, he was a local pastor. Today, he has like 100 churches under him. And, and so, you know, I can just imagine the, the influence he has, not just that, but when he came to us, you know, the first time we met, um, this was back in 2006, you know, he would take our food, you know, we would call it stealing in the culture there. They feel like that's their right to do. <laughs> but, you know, we, we show up there and our food was gone and he was the one who took it. And, you know, his wife, you know, he did not have a good family life. He was beating his wife. It was just not good. But today, you know, he has had such a transformation that he is one of our teachers and he teaches some marriage and family because he... Wow life completely transformed not just that but the local co-op they have a lot of co-ops over there because they um they pull their money together to buy bigger items because you know uh, money is a bit scarce and so the local co-op said we don't trust anyone with money because they know in that culture you have money and you need money it's yours you know you take it you'll spend it no no matter if it really belonged to someone else and they just said we can't we can't trust anyone but then after this pastor finished our training they all go to him and say you are trustworthy. We can trust you with our money. We want you to be our treasurer. And that's just uh, such a complete transformation and seeing that in someone's life just by, you know, sticking it with the word and listening to the word, getting the word on the inside of them and leadership training and, and ethical training and all those things combined. We've really seen amazing results. That's amazing. You know, when I was viewing your um, YouTube video about Safari Mission, one of the pastors there was talking about um, 
how he implements practical principles in his Bible training. And I'm curious to find out if you can talk about one of those practical principles. Yeah. Uh, that's can you think of anything? And I know he was doing, he was talking about prosperity, but I'm not right. sure if there's anything other than just prosperity that he was uh, using in the uh, trainings. Yeah, it's, it's, it's the, so let's talk about money because that's definitely a practical issue. Okay. So, you know, in our teaching, you know, we talk about just, you know, um, work ethics, I mentioned that, but we talk about things like budgeting. And I know that's been a huge thing for a lot of these, these people that we've trained is just in the budget, you need to save some money so you can, ha- you know, you can invest some money. Mm-hmm. You need to, you know, know how much you need to spend. And I just know so many stories from our students who, after going through that program, has said budgeting was such an important practical thing that really transformed our family's finances, our church finances, or my business has been transformed because now I know how much I'm spending. Mm-hmm. I know I need to be in investing my money. I need to save some money because usually in the culture there, you have money, you spend it and there's no budget. There's no planning there. And planning is another thing. You know, we our second year students in, in Nairobi. They have to plan a whole week of outreach and then they have including, you know, the, the, the budget for it. You know, they have to arrange transportation, lodging, food, outreach costs, and they have to do the planning first and then they have to execute what they did. And so just going through that practical step-by-step, this is how you plan. This is how you budget and you stick to your plan. You stick to your budget. We do a lot of that and it's very practical. It completely changes the way people think because when you're used to, you just go with the flow. You, whatever feels good at the moment, that's what you do. You have no plan. You don't know where you're going to end up. You know, you can't build something big. And so that's why we see a lot of these people are able to grow their businesses, to grow their churches, to stabilize their families, just by having that tool as simple as planning, budgeting. And I know this pastor that you saw definitely has, that's been a key for him as well just by uh, putting aside money for a bigger project. I know that before he started, he he started his church in a mud hut. It was actually half a mud hut that he rented. But after going through the program and seeing that budgeting and investing, he has been able to build a local church for $20,000, all cash, and it all came from his local congregation. And these were the people who used to be unemployed, who are now, you know, having jobs, and they're now starting businesses. And it's just, it all came from there. So it's possible to do something when you teach them the right way. And not just that, but the congregation also were able to, to buy a car for this pastor for $15,000 cash. And so that would not have happened without those simple, practical tools. Wow. This is Marina Maria from Faith City Outreach, and I'm speaking with Catherine Lee Gard from Safari Mission, which is a nonprofit organization based in Tulsa, Oklahoma. We are talking about how God is using Safari Mission to train and educate the African people to become leaders and who will transform Africa for God. Catherine, it was interesting to read in your website about why so many people wonder why Africa remains poor in spite of billions of dollars in foreign aid that is given into the continent. 
Can you please share more about this? Because this is such a popular question that people ask. Yes, absolutely. You know, I think we've all heard about projects in Africa. People are collecting money to send to Africa. You hear about the poor in Africa. You hear about foreign aid being poured onto the continent. You hear about so many organizations, nonprofit organizations going to Africa to, to, to do a lot of food distribution, a lot of other things. But, you know, we've been on the ground there and we've seen the effect it does. And you feed a person a meal is good but what are they going to do the next time they're hungry? You know, and giving people shoes on their feet is good, but how are they going to get a jacket that they need when it gets cold? And so we've seen a lot of money being poured out, but it hasn't transformed the way people think. It hasn't built people up. It has just been things given. And all it does is create a dependency syndrome that, you know, you give me and I have to wait for the next time you're going to give me some more. And so they're just sitting there waiting for someone to rescue them and to do something for them. But, you know, we have taken a different approach. We don't give out anything like that most of the time. You know, if there's a special need, it's different. You know, right now the whole world, you know, uh, needs help and the poor are really suffering. That's a little different. But, you know, in their normal everyday life, we don't want to give them the things. We want to give them and empower them with knowledge and how they can get a job. Because when they have a job, they can provide for their own family. You know, we know there's so many orphanages in Africa. But what most people don't know is there's not that many orphans in Africa. And let me explain that. There, there sure are people who don't have a mom and dad. But what in their culture, if their mom and dad is not there, they're aunt, cousins, uncles, grandparents will automatically take care of them because that's in the culture. It's a community culture. They see the whole extended family as part of the culture. That's why when, when, when we talked about dowry, when they come to pay the dowry for the girl, guess who shows up? Their aunt, their uncles, their cousins, because they were all part of the upbringing. So you don't just pay to the parents. You pay to the aunt. You pay to, to the, the whole family. Uncle, extended, the whole family. Extended family. 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 So if wow. they were part of raising them, they're going to have a piece of that dowry. So it just shows you that, you know, if you've lost your mom and dad, you have other people to take care of you. But what happens is that they see that they they believe their children will, will have a better upbringing in an orphanage than what they can provide on their themselves. So even some of them even have mom and dads, but they're still at an orphanage. So we believe that instead of doing all this, let's teach and train the mom and dad, the family, how they can prosper. You know, how can they get jobs and provide for their own family? And we saw this, you know, as their parents are getting jobs and getting money, they're able to send their kids to school because you still have to pay a little tuition there, even if it's like some kind of government school. We still have to pay for their uniform. And so, so if you're really, really poor, you don't have the money to send them to school. But we see that if we can get the parents employed, if we can get the parents to start a business so they have income, they can send their kids to school. They don't have to send them to an orphanage. They don't have to send them to the street to beg because that happens too. A lot of the kids are going to the streets to beg. And then at night, they come home to their mom and dad because they know that people are more likely to give to their kids. And I understand that. But let's fix the root cause of the problem. Let's fix that. Instead of putting a Band-Aid, we see all this government aid, all this funding as a lot of 
band-aid to a much bigger problem. And we believe we have to fix the root cause of the problem, which sometimes takes longer time. But once you have it, you have it for generations to come. You know, you Amen. have it long term. Yes. And so that's why we are working on. We're working on let's fix the root cause here in the society. You know, if you, there's a lot of corruption over there. If you have a corrupt government, it doesn't help to give the money. Guess what? They're going to spend it on themselves. And we see it living there. We see how they live and how the people live. We know this is true. But, you know, if you can empower even the leaders and empower them how does a good leader look like a lot of them are willing to change they just they just don't know they haven't seen they haven't been empowered they haven't gotten the knowledge and so if we can just instill work ethics and other kind of ethic leadership skills practical things in the leaders we really believe that's going to transform the whole society absolutely and And the face of africa amen yes that's you know and you're also breaking those generational curses, the curse of poverty. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what happens is a lot of, you know, poverty is a mindset that results mm-hmm. in a lack of money. It's not lack of money in itself. And you can see this, you know, you can take a millionaire who has worked his way to get that, you know, that money. And if you take away all the money, it'll just be another year or two and he'll have that back because he mm-hmm. taught, he has, he has learned how to, uh, you know, get that million dollar if you take give a million to a poor person within a few months or years it'll all be gone we see that with all the lottery tickets you know they're in the worst state because they never train themselves to take care of the money so you know we are just we want to fix the root cause we want to fix the broken system we want to you know instill leaders with the knowledge they need in order to change their whole continent. Amen. How does Safari Mission empower people with knowledge and training to fix their broken systems, as you mentioned in your website? Well, is this uh, biblical training? A lot of it is biblical training. A lot of it is, you know, we okay. really, you know, we really believe you need a biblical foundation to really uh, bring peace to and prosperity to an area. When I talk about that, you know, just working their way out of poverty, we really believe that the Bible is the foundation of a good society. So we use um, we use a lot of Bible schools. We have seminars. We do some business training for for business people. We have a, a book distribution center where we where we are bringing in books that you know for people. So we're just trying to meet people's needs all over the place. And you know, one of the one uh, one not very known person back. You know, my husband and I actually originally from Norway, and there was a guy there who lived uh, in the 1600s, I think 1700s, uh, who was a preacher. But what he did, he didn't just go around and preach, but he also everywhere he went, he would start a business factory, business or factory, and you know, the combination of ethics and 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 the Bible and entrepreneurship and business all of that combined has really um laid the foundation for where norway as a country is today it used to be one of the poorest country and now it's one of the richest country in the world when you look at per capita and, and it's such a rich country and it really 
even secular people contributed back to his work and, and the work ethic he instilled. And even to this day, the work ethic there is, 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 is phenomenal. You know, a, a verbal agreement is just as strong as a written agreement and, and people just honor their word. And they all contribute back to this one preacher who, who wow. really emphasized, you know, that you need businesses to grow the economy in a country. And so he is kind of an example for us. And that's what, what we are also wanting to do in in. Kenya and East Africa and all over the continent is that we believe in order to get a country, a place out of poverty, you got to train the people where you got to instill work ethics and you got to, you know, get the economy going. Now, I know you train them. Now, do they also go to school? Like, do they go to college or what? Yeah. What so like, <clears throat> or their education, like. That depends. Some of them already have an education and then come to us. So we already, we, most of our students already have either a profession that they're working in or they are pastoring a church or something like that. So we don't really have people coming straight out of high school or anything. We usually have a little bit more mature people who have already been, you know, working for a few years, been pastoring for a few years. And so we just, you know, we, what we have can instill is like on top of their normal education. And we just, you know, encourage them to go back to the capacity that they work in, whether it is, we've had doctors, you know, we've had nurses, we've had uh, actually chaplains from the military police, we've had definitely pastors. And so whatever they are you know, their work is in, go back and, and, and implement this where you are at, you know, and, and make a difference in what you, the world you work in. And so uh, that's what we offer. But, you know, our program is more than just head knowledge. We really transform their character. You know, um, one, let me just mention this one big um, issue there is that when you are a leader, you have a little bit of a big head, uh, typically where you feel like everyone is there to serve you and, and you get a little bit, you know, think you're a little bit better than other people. It's just like how the culture is there. So we really work on just changing the entire character of the person saying, you know, leaders, yeah, I understand that you're respected and we don't want to take that away. But at the same time, you know, you are also there to help people under you, uh, you know, to change their lives. And so what we do is we have leaders, actually, everyone has to clean up the classroom after we're done. So we have people sweep, we take away the titles in the classroom, not outside in the society, but just in the classroom so that they're all on the same level. And it just does something to them where they become more humble mm -hmm. and, and they become, after they're done going through our program, because we do a lot of practical things like that, they're just a better leader because mm -hmm. they're more humble at the same time. They they've gotten the tools they need to absolutely do good as a leader. Amen. That's beautiful. We could all use the humbling experience, right? <laughs> yeah. Every leader. Absolutely. It's true. Now, so how are the African people reacting to your, your trainings in your Bible school? Well, we've sent um, 
tremendous results, you know, from going through. So if people make it through the program, which most do, uh, there's a few who, who initially thinks that, you know, um, this is going to be one of the other schools or, or whatever, but they usually drop off pretty, uh, drop out pretty fast or they don't make it to actually to the, where you have to pay before you come as a student. So they're weeded out pretty fast. Um, but once they become a student and they see how that's benefiting them and their lives, uh, <laughs> most people go through the whole program. There's a few who might have to drop off because of their financial situation or something medical came up. There's always like something that comes up in everyone's <laughs> life. So that's right. Normal. But most people go and finish through our program and they're just so thankful because they see how their lives are changing. You know, this is not about us, about us, my husband and I as leaders. It's not for our benefit. It's for the student's benefit. Um, and so we've they're so thankful and we've seen tremendous change in their lives. You know, we see churches growing, we see businesses growing, we see people's lives flourishing. We see marriages restores, families are healing and they're coming together. And so we've seen a lot of, lot of good results, but you know, it takes time to change a mindset. So you don't always mm. see the change immediately. You have to go and see it over time. And even after they graduate, you know, after they finish, we stay in touch with them. And even years later, we hear stories of what's happening in their lives. And it's just good to see that we put a good foundation in their life. They keep growing and they keep building on top of that. And, and they still, you know, many years later will come and tell you how things are going well for them and how God is, is moving in their lives. And that that's the good thing, you know, when you see that. So it's for us, it's been more like a a longer process to see the results, but when you first see them, they're they're just mind blowing to hear about what what's happening in people's lives. And it may be a long process, but the when it's there, when you've influenced them and changed their lives, mm-hmm. it's it's a long lasting. It's like a generational because then you start to see their families also, you know, their kids change. The whole families change. Mm-hmm. And then you yeah. said the communities change. Mm-hmm. So that's beautiful. Yeah, that's that's our goal. You know, you know, you can you can get some quick testimonies, but we're not looking for that. We're looking for for you know how mm-hmm. can this change lasts for generations. You exactly. know, exactly really, really help you. Right. You don't want temporary solutions or temporary well, yeah, solutions. You want permanent solutions, you know, exactly. everlasting ones exactly. and generational ones. Yeah. That's beautiful. Now, you did mention a program. How long is the program? Is it different for each individual? So, no. The program is, uh, to, to finish, it's two years. We have a first year and second okay. year. But our program is a bit different. It's not normal school where you go for nine months straight. Right. It is modular. So our modules are three weeks. So we do intensive training for three weeks. So mm-hmm. you have class the whole day for eight hours, six hours with a, with a break. Um, and then we have a break and then they come back to two, two, three months later, and they do another module. And, you know, we initially 
set that up because we were traveling to the villages and that's how we could go from one village to another and train mm. and come back. But we've seen that it really, really works because from between each module, people have time to implement what we taught them. So when we when they come back, they have grown from when they left us. And so we feel like we can take the students even further by doing this because there's like a time of implementation in between. There's a time of growing between the modules. And so when you come back, they're even stronger and you can give them even more. You can teach them even more. And so, um, and they're probably really excited about telling you what they're doing now. Right. Absolutely. They're absolutely, they're really excited to come back and they are eager to learn because they had a little bit of break. You know, when you give them too much at the same time, your mind is just, I can't take this anymore. But when you give them a break, it's like they absorb it so much better. They, they have time to process it. And it's, it's you know it wasn't a conscious choice we did it was more like this is the way we have to do it to reach more people but it has really worked and you know it's it, it, you don't have to especially for a pastor they still keep their weekend we still have the weekends off and they're in their local community so they can still do all the functions in the churches if you have a job you know you can use your vacation time and and sometimes people have a flexible job so they make it work and and it's been really good to do it like that that's great. Now, have you ever had any global leaders visit your uh, visit Safari Mission USA when you are in Africa? So that is actually the next step that we're working on now as an organization. Okay. So far, we have mostly spent proving that our methods work because we feel like in order to show this to to bigger leaders we have to show them that this is actually working this is the results we've had and since i said our results are not shown overnight they come over a period of time you know you don't change the community or society in a day Mm -hmm. it takes time to do it but now that we are seeing the results and we're hearing testimonies now we feel like that's the next step that we are going to step into is to do more of that as well but you know we feel like our concept is definitely different from most people we've seen and everyone we talk to. Um, so we've, we've just felt like we have to prove ourselves first before we can take the next step and, and show that this really does work. And you've been in business for over 10 years. So you can at least say, you know, we've been doing this for over a decade and this is working. Yes. And, and, you know, it's just, it really just takes that long to really see that this is long lasting because you right. even five years, not long lasting, you know, exactly. uh, so when you see it's more over a decade, it's starting to become more like, yeah, it's long lasting. And, and I can see that the rip, there are ripple effect, but even the ripple effect takes time to develop. So, you know, it's just, it's just a, a longer process to get there. But once it's there, it, it keeps going and it keeps growing. And, and that's what we're our goal is. Now, how has the world crisis affected Africa and your mission organization? Yeah, so um, that's definitely a question I'm sure a lot of listeners want to hear right now because, uh, you know, this crisis is affecting the whole world, which we've never seen that before. Exactly. We know how it's affecting U.S., but I mean, do we know how it's affecting third world countries? We don't. Right. And so here's what's going on right now. The things are shutting down as well over in Kenya because they've had a few cases, not as many as here for sure, but things also happened a little bit later. So it's a little soon to, to tell. However, it's really, really bad for the 
for the really, really poor. And this is what's mm-hmm. happening when the poor are not allowed to go to work in a safe way because they've put restrictions on 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 going to work. They put restrictions, you have to wear a mask. Well, they cost $2 a piece. And when you make $2 a day, you don't you can't afford that. And um, there has been... I don't even think we know the extent of it right now, but I know that the, in Nairobi slums, I've just seen you know headlines of where it's chaos now and people are getting desperate because they can't even get put food on their table. So we are seeing that even the shutdown, the effect of the shutdown is larger than the effect of the virus itself, at least over there so far. But it's still a little early because the shutdown came later than here. Mm, but, you okay. know, you work in societies where so many people, they, they, they live off of what they make that day. They have no savings. They have no income other than a few, maybe $2 they make every day. And that's what they can live off of. And so that means they go without food and people get desperate. Then, and, and of course, that's devastating. So I don't think we see the full effect yet of it, um, but I've seen there's definitely a desperate uh, situation. It was so bad that some people were trying to distribute some food for free. People got so de- desperate they had a stampede, and the government shut down the food distribution too, which I understand why. But at the same time, we have people there, you know, really starving right now, and, and it, it's just devastating right now. So. Um, our offices are shut down, you know, a few people we have employed are working from home. And so our people are doing well, but I do see it in the news. People, um, who live in the slums are just really struggling right now. And that's devastating to see. How do you stay in the place of faith, Catherine? You know, the only way you can do that is to spend more time in God's word than watching the news, to be honest. Uh, there's, there's, you know, the news will get you in fear really fast, but you know, God has not given us a spirit of fear. The word says, you know, it's, it's not, you know, we're not supposed to be fearful about what's happening. God, you know, is with us. You know, he has given us his peace. Philippians 4, 7 says, and the peace of God surpasses all understanding will guard our hearts in my, in Christ Jesus. We also have Isaiah 26, 3 says, you will keep him in perfect peace. His mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. And so just, just being more uh, focused on God and his word and, and his promises mm-hmm. and, and spending time with him and not really watching the news is, is what we do. And uh, to be honest, I, I, I watch news just to see a little bit of what's going on, but I don't really know all the details because I don't want to get into too much of that. So, yeah. That's true. And to also know that God has never failed us. Mm-hmm. Amen. You know, look at our past that mm-hmm. he's always been there. He's always provided. He's the way maker, the miracle yeah. worker. And so to know that he's done that in our past, he will also continue to do that in our future. That is true. That is very, you know, just, just looking at everything God has brought you through, mm-hmm. you know, that he's gonna, he's gonna do it again. And, and you know, I, I'm just, I just have peace on the inside. You know, I, I, I'm, I, I don't put myself in dangerous positions, you know, on purpose, but at the same time, I'm not afraid of what's going on. I'm just, you know, seeking God's peace and, and just keeping my mind on 
the things of God. And, 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 you know, there's just a peace surrounding that. And, and, and even for listeners out there, if, if there's anyone there that's fearful about what's going on, just look to God and, and exercise his peace in your life. Just, just have an atmosphere of peace. Just look to him and focus on his word, you know, just because that's going to bring peace. That's going to bring peace. And, and there's, there's every time you, you feel that there's fear coming upon you, just know that that's not from God. That's from the enemy. And, and don't give in to that. It's just, God's peace is what we seek. And, and it, sometimes it goes again, logic in, in our minds, but you know, um, it's possible because God's God promised us his peace. If we look to him. Amen. Catherine, how can people help support Safari mission USA? Well, thank you for asking. We have definitely uh, our ministry is based on partnership, you know, with individuals and, and churches. So, so if there's anyone out there who want to be part of that, I encourage you to go to our website, safarimission.org. There's a place there where you can donate. And we just encourage people to do what they can. And, and a lot of people that we have, they give $5 every month. And some people think that's not enough, but it really helps and it really adds up if we just all do it. Only five dollars. That's just a cup of coffee. But if we all do it, it makes a big difference. Just sixty-five people giving five dollars a month supports a whole Bible school uh, campus over there. All across Africa, there has been extensive evangelism. Christianity is a mile wide, but it is only an inch deep. Governments, nonprofits and missionaries have all brought foreign aid into the continent. But what happens once they leave? People in Africa have become so dependent on aid from outside that they can't survive on their own. The people really were poor. They could not even give tithe. They could not give offering. Our mission is not to just provide the needy with food and resources. Our mission is to train leaders and transform people to become independent and to thrive in their own communities. We are Vidar and Catherine Legard. We are the founders of Safari Mission. It all started when I visited Kenya with a friend of mine on a missions trip. While in Kenya, I saw there was a huge need. The pastors were trying their best to teach, but they had no formal training or anyone to look up to. That's when I felt I was supposed to do something about that. I was supposed to take the training to them, out there in the villages, and help leaders who could not afford to come to the cities. That's how we started. Today, we train leaders in both rural areas and the cities. Have you ever wondered why African countries remain poor in spite of billions of dollars in foreign aid and thousands of nonprofit organizations giving humanitarian aid? Because change comes from within. Feeding people who are poor only helps that one time. It's like putting a Band-Aid on a sore when the whole leg is broken. Empowering people with knowledge and training them to deal with their broken systems, that is the solution for Africa. That is exactly what Safari Mission Network does. We train leaders and transform people to go and build their own communities. Safari Mission is dealing with the real issue, and that is exactly what Africa needs. Many leaders all over Kenya are impacting their communities after being trained. Pastor Kaloki from Bipingo in Kenya is just one example of a leader we empowered. 
He is turning his poor community around by applying practical principles to his Bible training. So many people in his congregation are coming out of poverty and living better lives. But since we began to teach them about the prosperity and the principles of the Word of God and shown them the way they should invest, right now, those who obeyed the Word, they have taken their position. Right now there is great change. Even in this community I can see the results because we have many businesses in our community who are running by the people from our church. And I still continue to teach people and these teachings are empowering the people. Many people are looking for work to support overseas, but often wonder if the organization will be effective in handling your money. You might be asking yourself, Will my money really make an impact? At safarimission.org, we have seen people's lives being changed in 2006. We have proven that our methods work. We guarantee you that your money will make a difference and be used for a real ministry. Like me, I say we want to, 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 wipe, to wipe out the saying that in Africa, the gospel is miles wide but an inch deep, which is true. So we want it to be more deeper, not an inch deep. <laughs> because it is just an inch deep because many people who are preaching or are teaching, they don't know what they are doing. They are just doing for the means to get earnings and whatever. But with this kind of teachings, I'm sure it will go deeper and people understand what they are supposed to do. Because of teaching these people the same, they are doing very well, even in their businesses, in the government offices. And so that simple example in Mwingi, I see if that can take place in the whole land of Kenya, it can really affect this community and the whole land of Kenya because it is not only about um, spiritual matters, it's also about practical things. These teachings are very much important in Kenya because they are helping us even to know ourselves, to know our rights, and even out to know outreach people. I was an overseer of less than 20 churches. And today the churches have grown to over 100. So the teachings are really very practical. They're helping people. They're affecting even one's personal life. You know, when your life is, is, is uh, because the, when, when, when your life is done, when something affects your life, you can also affect the lives of other people. What the church needs is people to know the world, not big buildings or whatever. They will come, by the way, but let them have the knowledge first. When they get the knowledge first, they will know even how to build them old houses and whatever. But when there is nothing here, you can even give millions of money, they will just misuse them and they will not help the people. So, the knowledge first. Faith City Outreach can be heard daily, Monday through Friday at 4 p.m. Arizona time and 7 p.m. Eastern time. Faith City Outreach thanks Global Women Christian Chamber of Commerce Embassy and Four Winds Ministries for being supporters. Psalm 117, praise the Lord all you nations, extol him all you peoples, for great is his love toward us, and the faithfulness of the Lord endures forever. Praise the Lord. You have been listening to Faith City Outreach with Marina Maria as she interviews Christian pastors and leaders to discuss scriptures and topics affecting the Christian community and to pray for the nations. If you need to contact Marina Maria, please email her at fcoprogram at gmail.com. That email again is fcoprogram at gmail.com. Until next time, 
Maria wants to remind you from Matthew 6, 33, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. The music used in this broadcast is used courtesy of Zapswat.com.